And I, for one, welcome our new gentlemen, overlords. Who? Now that's a team I can work with. I love it. I love bringing people together. How we doing? Hey everybody, welcome to the Gentleman Overlords. I'm Andrew. I'm Max. I'm Robert. And the three of us make the Gentleman Overlords. As I said at the top, uh, guys, let's just get right to it. Let's talk about some of these movies we've seen. Robert, what movies have you seen, my boy? I recently rewatched Kindergarten Cop with Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Governor. Um, who's like your daddy? Movie, what does he do? I, huh? Who's yes, your daddy? Exactly. What does he do? Yeah. I was gonna say when I was, I, I think when we were growing up, there was an uh, an Arnold Schwarzenegger soundboard that I feel like. Had a lot of great lines from a lot of his movies because he has a lot of great lines. A lot lines, of them come from this movie. A fair amount from Kindergarten Cop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shut up! Shut up! Yeah. It's not a tumor. Is that this one? Not a, it's not a it tumor. Is, yeah. That's correct. He's got the he's got like the ferret pet. I also think there was um, a, there was like a a phen- phenomenon is maybe not the right word. I think for a long time people of our generation kind of put together it's not a tumor and shut up, and they remember the it's not a tumor line being like a scream line. Like it's not a tumor, but it's he says it very calmly. He d- he does say it kind of calmly. He's sort of like trying to shut the because th- that's also the weird kid who keeps being like he's obsessed with death. Yeah, we're all gonna die and stuff like that. And then he's like, "Is it a tumor?" And he's like, "No, like, no, it's not a tumor at all." <clears throat> um, very good. I have visited Astoria, Oregon. If you're ever passing through the Pacific Northwest, it's a cute little oceanside town, and there. also features not only. The school from Kindergarten Cop, but the famous house from Goonies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the oh. fence, the uh, mechanical uh, Go- Rube Goldberg fence does not actually exist. You don't have to expose your stomach to get in. You shouldn't go in. It's a private residence. And they do ask that you take photos from a respectful distance. And please don't so, take off your clothes to try and get in either. Yeah, oh, I tried to. I did the full truffle shovel to try and get in. Fucking cops. I was took me. Took me in to so the yeah, paddy wagon. Hey, come on, I was like, like, what are you doing? I'm just a fan of this children's movie. Um, but Kindergarten Cop, very, very good. You know um, what I liked about I, I rewatched Kindergarten Cop recently. Sorry. Um, I love how horny his you're partner not, but is. Continue. I'm not, but his his partner, the the redheaded short short haired redheaded. She's so cop, great. She's like so horny in that movie. It's really funny. So horny? Yeah, she's like constantly trying to well, get. Well, she it has a fiance. That... I mean, I feel like she can be horny for her. Fiance. I know. I just love that. Like she's she's like like an underlying thing in that movie is that she's like trying to get it on with her fiance. I think that's a, and he's like yeah. Just... I think they're like in love. He's a chef. When they first show up, he's like naked, and then he puts on her robe, and mm-hmm. it's such a funny little B plot. Um, and it is a, it is a movie of like when it starts out for the first 10, 15 minutes, you're like. This is beard, you know, scruff oh, Arnold. He looks, you know, the crazed. beard is he looks crazy with a beard. I love it. I love that like layer of scruff because I feel like he's always like he's so you think of him as Terminator and a lot of his roles where he is clean shaven always. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a fun departure. Um, but it, it really feels bookended with like the the 
the sort of dramatic cop stuff and the witness and all that stuff. Then you get into the comedy of him trying to figure out how to be a cop, but teach these kids. And then at the end, it sort of winds back up at the, you know, fire alarm is pulled. There's an actual fire. There's guns in the school and it's just, it's wild stuff. But uh, I really, it's a really endearing movie. And I definitely, I think helped to capture, I feel like it helped Arnold then break out into all those other sort of comedic Mm -hmm. roles and things too. So. I thought the like the end of the movie when he's been shot and the kids are like, is he going to be OK? I was like, man, this is like good kid acting. Like I was like, I, I was I will sad say that too. Them. Like it's I am acting is such a weird career and I, I almost don't want kids to be in movies yeah. in some way yeah. because I'm just like, don't be exposed to that world. But. Darn it if these aren't great kid actors. Mm-hmm. So many cute ones. There's the super little kid who's his dad's a gynecologist, so he's very obsessed with talking about penises and vaginas. Mm-hmm. And he is like a little shorty, even compared to all the other kids. He's adorable. Um, the the kid that you know Arnold is looking for and the, the mom, he's very like, he's got a raspy voice, but he's got a very kind of cute kid voice. And he's he's charming. And the the weird twin girls, like. Our ma- mom says our dad is a sex machine in unison. <laughs> um, wild stuff. Wild, wild stuff. They don't make them like that anymore. Fun to revisit Kindergarten Cop. Um, I also rewatched Beauty and the Beast and not the Disney live action remake. Oh, what are you thinking? Um, what a great movie. Just the golden yeah. age of, of Disney, right? I mean, I'm what lament uh, praising them at this point, but it was a a better time? I don't know. I don't know. At least for that movie in that specific situation. Um, no, it's really great stuff and and kind of very early use of CG with like the the ballroom and stuff, but used really well. Every song is a banger, even when Gaston is talking about himself. It's a uh, it's really fun. Um, yeah, really awesome. I don't. I want to say that they probably added songs in the newer version, the live action one that. Didn't matter and aren't as good and they who cares. So they're really bad. The newest songs yeah. are really bad. Feels feels weird to to even bother. Uh but what are you gonna do? Um and then do, do you think that they'll ever stop making those if we continue not watching them? No. They don't no, because they enough don't... people will always watch them yeah. and there's people that whose jobs are to see it whether they want to or not. Um it just came out recently that you know, Rotten Tomatoes was sort of paying for good reviews and stuff like that. So we've just entered a cycle of, you know, endless ass kissery that will never, never cease. And um, even bad movies will make a lot of money and good movies won't get enough of a budget. Hey, it's one of the reasons we sort of pivoted to our format during the strike. So uh, it's it's frustrating. But um, yeah, I, I don't know what to say, except that the final movie I wanted to talk about that I've seen Cade, the tortured crossing. This is the latest Neil Breen film. It sounds sounds like a, like PS one PS two video game. God, I wish I hope they do a a version. I hope they make it a PS one video game now. (laughs) Um, but it is a sequel, uh, to a previous Neil Breen film twisted pair from 2018 
Ooh, um, I had a couple of friends who had that happen to them. They said it was really painful. Twisted pair, yeah. Testicular distortion or whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> Testicular torsion. Technically, technically we do. <laughs> they did it to each other. They did it to each other doing the same thing. Oh, yeah. That wasn't a joke, maybe. <laughs> that was no, not. It wasn't. <laughs> Release this I mean, episode. It, it was a bit of wordplay because I don't think that's what you what was intended by that yeah. movie. Hey, and, and also bit of a tortured crossing for them as well you know what i mean yeah yeah don't cross the streams either hey it's like a ghostbusters thing wait so no, this cade... is a sequel to a movie that's not called cade something else nope the original movie is called twisted pair which is about cade altair and his brother kale altair this does sound like were... a ps1 game this is like who are a... yes it sounds like paris a parasite eve kind of uh no, they were abducted by aliens as children and and given powers. And then Kale, uh, just it wasn't really taking. So the they took his powers away and cast him off while Cade stayed a super-powered, uh, benevolent uh, hero. Um, the original movie is wild. Not my favorite Breen, but very entertaining. And uh, this is a sequel. We saw it on, uh, I believe, Saturday night. It was a great crowd at the grand illusion, but I don't know if you've ever been there. It's a like mm, 35 person theater. Like it's a really small, small guy. Um, but we had a great time, uh, entirely shot on green screen using, uh, like an effects package of backgrounds and stuff where like they'll walk. There's like a, a picturesque sort of like stone bridge with a circular kind of, uh, you know, height to it and they all kind of walk in the green screen back and then behind the behind the bridge and they show multiple scenes uh two three times sometimes um there's the same shot of like you can tell they like on the day we're like okay you lay on the ground someone's gonna mysteriously grab you and start pulling you and you gotta go no no don't take me and then every one of those actors did that scene and then it's all parsed out through the movie at there's no there's horrible pacing you have no idea why but in the last 15 minutes, they're also showing that it's like, we get it. They all were taken. Like they were taken. We get it. Um, and, in, and it features an incredible scene with a tiger, but I don't want to give away too much. Oh, because, please don't. Yeah. Uh, Breen is obsessed with tigers and has in previous films had like a tiger and then him composited and kind of going like reaching out and acting like he's going to stroke it. But it's clearly just an effect there that he can't actually touch. And that's his whole movie. Like you there, there'll be climbing staircases and they're not quite touching the stairs because it's like a scene. It's that like they a, in. a Decker versus Dracula, right? Where yes, uh, yeah, it, but but like un, done unironically. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He is, do, he is doing his best, and it's horrible. And then you know reaches out for the banister, and kind of there's nothing actually there. So he's trying to. He's looking. I'm pretty sure at a monitor, like he's a weather person to figure out where he is in the field. I, I can tell Max is sort of stoic right now, but I can tell like he wouldn't. I couldn't pay him to watch this. It's so bad. <laughs> it's so, so bad, but I love it. It and, and, and you almost have to watch it with a crowd. We were all, um, you know, enraptured with, uh, Breen and he, to his credit has not really succumbed to what other bad movie directors have like why so, and been like, oh, okay, like this isn't what I intended people to like about it, but I'm going to lean into it and I'm going to wink at them. And it's like, Green doesn't do that. He puts it out there. He's when just... He discovers a new effect or like there's a movie where he clearly someone was like, do you know, like you can have a drone go up and like fly and film you in the desert. And he's like, oh, I'm going to make that like 15% of my movie. So like it's clear that like he discovers these things and applies them and does 
every role. The credits of these movies are all catering by, produced, written, starring uh, transportation by Neil Breen. It's uh, it's like almost no one else in the movie did anything to, to according to him. Uh, it's it's something else. I know you guys are not the so bad they're good movie fans that I am, but definitely worth checking out, especially especially in a group. If it was on at like a party and you could actually get up out of your seat and leave without any guilt, that's the way to do mm-hmm. it for, for some folks. So I've never even heard of this guy. Oh, Max. <clears throat> what was the... It was Fateful Finding? Was that the Fateful first? Fateful Findings okay. is my favorite. There's actual... Well, not sets, but like houses that he went to and places. Um, that's my favorite one where... He meets a girl in the they find a magic stone in the forest. And then when they grow up, they they reunite. And oh, it's so bad. Um, His friend gets killed and they his wife tries to pass it off as like suicide. And he goes, I can't believe you killed yourself. Why? And he's accidentally spreading his blood on his face and stuff. It's. uh, It's something else. He's uh, he's an auteur. So it does sound like. He's trying and learning, like you said. Do you? Does it feel like the movie improved? I don't think he's in. No, I don't. It's it's baffling that, like this movie seems more inept than some of his other movies. Mm. He does a Matrix thing at one point in this, where like you know when like, Agent Smith is pummeling Neo in the subway, and like you're seeing like the tracers of his fists, like, like you can Mm -hmm. see like you see like multiples like of him just like just just destroying, and you see him in the seat getting fucked. He does that where it's just him composited over himself like clip art over and over just like going like that and it's it's so bad and you're like this is not acceptable for a feature length <laughs> movie that i paid for but you're sitting there you you are committed and and he thinks it looks good and fun and badass and i it is what it is it's he is truly unique in the field right now and the fact for me that he hasn't seemed to be a, become jaded or responded to people's criticism by like changing too much of his of his core vibe is is encouraging it's it's funny that you're i mean like i i think i agree with what you're saying but just like he's stayed delusional this entire time and that's what i admire about this guy kind of and it's you know it's all it's it's like why so and some other directors in his uh Mm -hmm. kind of his range that it's all about him like he is this ultimate badass hero that can save the earth and he's got all the right ideas and it's very like the plot is also like he's donating money to a hospital to like be like this will help people recover and get well but it turns out that it's like it looks like session 9 like a fucking dilapidated hospital like background and then the the people are like composited sitting on the ground or in wheelchairs mm-hmm. or with you know leg braces <clears throat> and then when he finds out he just really gets really close to the one of the women who worked there and is like I told you to clean this up this is wrong this is not how patients should be treated and then like walks away and it's like, she's just one, she's one of two <laughs> women we've seen that work here. There's no other people in the movie. What's happening. It's not it's, her job. Um, she's not the custodian, but it's somehow it's her job yeah. to, yeah. does she end up being a, a potential lover? Who can say she is a I, woman in the movie. Say? She's a woman in the movie. Yeah. So yes, it's true. But, but also if you look at the credits, that role was played by Neil Breen himself. <laughs> yeah. There is a, also someone who's driving the, the bus, which is a van, but they keep calling it a bus. They're taking all these patients on a trip. And they crash and the guy keeps picking up beer bottles from the cup holder, but they're empty. And you can just tell there's not even like water in them. And he's just going <laughs> and then putting it back down. And, and that's setting up that they're going to crash. 
And then it turns out at the end in the credits, he's also like the sole like cinematographer and like people like when when Breen isn't filming, it's him. And I was like, oh my god, the only other person who's like credited was like <laughs> this this throwaway role, getting all these uh these horrible these patients, you know, in a horrific crash. Anyway, and and, and just to just to think, the cinematographer was drunk off of air the whole time. <laughs> I know. It's uh, hey, maybe that's the reason. Better luck next time for the next movie. Maybe he stays off the sauce. Uh, but that's what I've seen. I've gone on far too long. Max, what have you seen? That's what I, that's what I was just thinking. Man, Robert's gone on for way too long. So uh, I I did you guys a favor. I only watched a couple of them. Uh, but thank you. Oh, thank you, Max. <laughs> uh, I watched the nude. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem movie. And Ooh. it's phenomenal. I love Isn't it. Isn't it great? It's really great. Oh, I man. I don't want to spoil too much. Don't. Yeah, Jackie I don't Chan. See. Jackie Chan's fantastic in this. His comedic <laughs> timing, just everything that he does in this movie. It's is pretty so good. Not funny. like a, a good amount of splinter, not like a two, not like as much as like the the live action one, but like a good amount in there. Yeah. And it's it's not the the splinter that you like recognize from other things. True. Yeah, a lot of stuff is changed in this one, uh, but as it is, is its own standalone thing. I think it's really fun. Uh, yeah, I would talk about it more, but I don't don't want to give too much away. Thank Watch you. it. Um, Great voice cast. I'm glad they cast teens as the turtles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're very mm-hmm. funny. They're like modern New York teens, which is very funny too. Um, and they have a lot of funny, uh, another a more funny voice cast in like the other. There's other like mutants in the movie. Yeah. Hey, it's called April. Mutant Mayhem, so not really a spoiler. April did a good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that Ao? Yeah. Yeah. That might be the reason I might be able to convince my wife to see it just because of Io being in the movie. So how how would how would that be a tough sell? I don't know. I, I, she like, doesn't like. She doesn't like her. She's like not a he. Like it's. I she sees the Spider Man like across the Spider Verse movies because she likes Spider Man, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. like to sell her on like a TMNT cartoon is just like a little like. She's not a person who necessarily likes going to the theater, so it has to be like a thing where it's like, hey, let's you know like like I really have to like put my credibility on the line to like get her to go it's see. Ho- it's at home now though. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, well, then that might not be as hard. That is why I watched it. All <laughs> <laughs> well, that. Uh yeah, it might might be a rental. I'm not sure where it's at, what status it's at right now, but I had to uh, guess, well, then how I did you uh Max, how did you watch it? <laughs> uh, on a television. Okay, okay. Uh, well, I'm just, I, you know, I'm just glad that the people who made that great film were getting supported, getting that money, <laughs> especially during the strike. It would be damn. I'm just glad that they are they're making it back and they'll be able to. And then because of that success, they'll be able to make more projects in the future. So good on them. Yeah. That's why you should support <laughs> <laughs> this movie. <laughs> I saw that movie theater. It was an American movie theater, um, had American flag outside and I saluted it. And I went in, and I said, <laughs> love the turtles, love New York. And I'm going to make sure that my dollars go right to them. Hey, Mikey, yeah. why don't we do the Pledge of Allegiance at the beginning of the feature? You got it, dude. There's another more Mikey turtle. <laughs> it's other Mikey. They're all four Mikeys in this movie, right? It's my, it's me, Mikey Nardo. <laughs> and me, Michael Tello. <laughs> we all have different shades of orange bandanas. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> you guys... 
Okay, Max, what else have you seen, huh? Uh, the other movie that I watched is called His Girl Friday. It's a movie from uh, 1939, I believe, with Cary ooh. Grant. Yeah, ooh. Just just came to uh, streaming. I don't know. Oh, it's that. finally available for <laughs> rental. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, go see it in theaters if you can. I recommend it. Yeah. Um, that was a fun, fun movie. I want the estates of those people to make sure that they're getting their... They can make a sequel if they want. His Girl Saturday. Yeah. yeah. Look, I did see that there was a movie. When I was looking this up, I had it written down wrong. I had it written down as My Girl Friday. And that's not the name of the movie. But there is a movie that came out, I think, in 2012 with that name. So maybe, maybe oh. there is some Oh, and there's also My Girl. And you can watch that on a Friday. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um. But yeah, his girl Friday. It's about a couple that broke up. They were working at a um, newspaper, uh, at a newspaper, <laughs> and um, so they're divorced. Uh, the lady comes in saying that she's like found a new guy, right, and that she is done with the paper and she's going to leave. But uh, the the guy who runs the paper, who she was married to for a while, is trying to stop that and get them back together. And then, um, yeah, things go wild and, and they try and, uh, like get the story of this killer that maybe is being accused and manipulated, but maybe not. And he escapes from jail and, you know, it just goes crazy. They, they're like trying to sort that out and he's trying to get her back into, uh, working at the paper and proving how boring her guy is. But it's fun. It's a black and white one. Uh, yeah, check it out if you like that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, how about you, Andrew? What have you seen? Should I start with the bad one or start with the good one? Because I only have the... two. Do good to bad. Good to bad? Okay. I watched Be Kind Rewind. And oh. I mean, it's just like it. Sometimes I watch a movie and I'm just like, man, movies are fun, right? Like, I just I just finished it like an hour ago and I was like god like this is just like a really fun movie like the you know the the sweeting stuff that they do in the movie is like super fun but like the actual like movie that they make at the end of this movie too is like really fun um I referenced it in a previous episode but uh Sean Clements podcast um subtitles on where they talked where they talked about Bowfinger I was like there's a part in the of in the movie Bowfinger where like they're watching their movie and it's like a really touching scene because you're watching these people who made like a really inept, stupid movie, but they're watching it and they're like really proud of their work. And you're like watching these people. You're like, okay, you feel like good for these people because they made something yeah. and they're all proud of it. And in Be Kind Rewind, even though they make a really bad movie at the end, like they're all enjoying it. And like people are like, my, my thing's coming up and like they're really excited see, to see I, themselves and that's why i like these the ones that are earnest when someone is yeah. truly like putting a vision on the screen it's like i know it can be bad and it's it can be frustrating on like a filmmaking level but like it's charming too it has that quality and i love i like that the, the sweeted version is specifically like embracing the fact that it's low tech and you're improvising and you're and you're doing a thing like the t-rex grabbing the 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 mm-hmm. fence instead you would just do your hand with makeup and just pulling something down I, that's fun i also forgot uh the sweeted version of rush hour 2 that they do and like they like knock somebody off the like bamboo structure and just shows them like spinning on a carousel but like you know just like them it's, like, it's supposed to be simulate them falling uh-huh. that f- effect was so funny 
and just I yeah it's a very I just I enjoyed it a lot you know there's a little bit too much of um Jack Black's character not understanding why being in blackface is not good anymore like they do that oh, joke I didn't remember that part. they do that joke twice <laughs> I I feel like I remembered some some uh but some problems with that movie I don't yeah. think I remember I don't think I've seen it since it came out and I do do not remember that. Yeah, it happens. That's okay because he told his his pal okay. Robert Downey Jr. it was cool to do in Tropic Thunder. <laughs> I mean, that I, is a joke in the movie. Come yeah, on. yeah, yeah. I remember thinking the movie was okay, but I I feel like I probably should give it another watch. There's, I mean, like it also came at like the tail end of like everybody's like fascination with Michelle Gondry, and so like it's the least Michelle Gondry of those like his like kind of peak. You know, there's, like, less of the, like, really interesting, like, there's some of it where, like, because, you know, in the movie, he gets, like, magnetized. And so, like, when he gets cured of the magnetized thing, it's like he's puking out, like, basically metal. And, like, there's effects like that where, like, the metal's kind of going down the street and it looks interesting. There's little things like that thrown in, but I think that's, this came at the tail end of, like, everybody's, like, oh, my God, Michel Gondry does these, like, really interesting filmmaking tricks. And this was much more of a, like... A, a cool premise for a movie in like an interesting locale and less of like his kind of kooky camera tricks and little weird effects. And so I think like maybe that colored it, but also like, yeah, again, the Jack Black thing and blackface is not I, the Jack nice thing. The nice thing about it is that he's the only one who knows it's not wrong. And everybody else is like, what the fuck are you doing? And like, he's like this close to getting his ass kicked every time he does it. But, um, and that all aside, he's he's a very charming character in it. Um, whatever, I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but I don't remember what Mos Def's name is now. Um, Mos Def. Okay, cool. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't remember that. Um, I mean, better to know the actor's name than the character, in my opinion. No, I mean his real. <laughs> he's changed his real name. Like he goes by something oh. else now. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Um, Yeslin Bay. I'm the fucking actor. Yeah, Yeslin Bay. Yes. Sorry. Um, yes, he's good in it. Uh, Donald Glover, not Donald Glover, Danny Glover, and uh, Danny Glover's in another movie we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really he's really charming in it. It's a, huh? it's a fun movie. <laughs> what movie did we watch? Um, yeah, I I like it. It's very charming. Again, the Swedish versions of movies are all fun, and it's just it's nice. I like the earnest, like the feeling earnestly that movies are cool, and having a movie that just like is not afraid to kind of like be corny and tell you that movies are cool. Now, the other movie I watched, it made me feel very cynical about movies, and that movie is The Flash. (laughs) Uh, I should have known better than to have watched this movie. I was morbidly curious about how bad it could be, and it's worse than I had imagined it would be. It's, um, It's uglier than, like, when people tell you that the CGI is ugly, they're doing a disservice to the word ugly. It's atrocious. Wow. It's so hideous. Like from the get go, like there's a scene early on where he saves like an, an infant ward from like falling because like, you know, the, the bottom this of this went viral. Basically, this it's was all over Twitter. hideous. It's though it's one of the worst looking. If you had told me that like the CGI from Sharknado three is better, I would believe you like it's so like embarrassingly bad. And it's in, also weird because, like, in the scene, isn't he like? It's like he can run up a building. It base. It feels like time is basically stopped for him. Yeah. And then, like, he has to eat a bunch of food, right? Yes. 
But then he also like, it's like, why aren't you just like putting them, like throwing them up in the air and just like collecting them all fine. Like, so it just, it's, I think the problem with speedsters is that like when you reach that level of speed, mm -hmm. it's like, it feels like any prop, no problem could stop you. Well, you know, it's, one Sorry, of the things that they I'm one just... of the things that they arbitrarily make up in the movie is that he can't physically touch another thing and move it within the speed force because then they would like get like astronomically sick. Mm. But instead, he manipulates objects to move the thing. So like the he pushes a thing, so then that thing pushes the baby, and it's just like so that like that doesn't count. And then like. There's this one of the ways he saves the ba one of the babies is he puts it in a microwave, and then the microwave before. just it doesn't work. It doesn't save your baby. <laughs> I'll tell you that it's so. I just and, like, and it dries them out honestly. <laughs> and then like when like he's he's collecting all the babies at the at the end when he's out of the speed baby force. Back, baby back, baby he forgets back. that the baby's in the microwave until it dings. So it was on. I don't know. I think it was like it's a stupid. I mean, it like, couldn't be because it can't be because I don't think most microwaves like Bluetooth and like not they have to be into a that's, source i mean but they also can't ding otherwise that's the thing is so much of this movie is it trying to be really funny and none of the jokes land like the first scene sounds like it was like a merry melodies cartoon it, it's so <laughs> it's just it's not funny like it's it's try. it's not it's not not funny in the way that like man of steel's not funny where it's not trying to be funny it's trying to be dark this movie's trying really hard to be funny and it's not funny and that's i think it's worse than Man of Steel in that way because, like, Man of Steel's at least not trying to do anything like that. This movie's trying to show you, hey, we're DC and we can be fun. And it's not fun. The cameos are all, like... It would be one thing... Like, so, do you want some of the spoilers for the cameos? I feel like I've been spoiled okay. because people were just... We're dogging on it and then simultaneously, like, spoiling so, it. So, one of the cameos that I do like is that Nick Cage got to play Superman. But it isn't mm. it isn't Nick Cage, right? It's a it's CGI like, Nick Cage, but like at least his likeness got gets to be Superman, and that's what he's wanted to do forever. Wait, they didn't even Nick Cage seems like somebody who would be who easy would do to it, get. right? He would yeah. do it, but they didn't. They just were like able to make a composite that looked like him, as as far as I know. And yes. then it was the the big spider that the guy who eventually directed Wild Wild West wanted to have as the villain yeah. in that in that Superman yeah. movie. I mean, I've seen that scene now, the one you're referring to, mm. and to me, that is just so. I hate it. The, I hate everything. The thing about that it. really bothered me is that the like most of the remainder of the cameos are, and you know, the director said, "Don't worry, I got permission." And what he ended up doing was getting permission from DC to use these likenesses because they own the likeness to these characters. It was not like he got the permission from the estates of these people and because and, yeah, George Reeves played Superman. And was like, the end of his life was basically because of playing Superman. And then Christopher Reeves, so also similarly, basically, the end of his life was miserable because he played Superman. And those are two of the people that show up in the movie. And it's just like, it felt like um, that, uh, that tree, the Treehouse of Horrors where Homer uh, finds out that uh, an advertising company can use whoever's likeness they want if they're dead. So he starts killing a bunch of celebrities. Um, it felt like that where it's just like, look, these people are dead. We own their likeness through these movies. So let's just trot these like people who did not have a better life because of playing these DC characters. Let's trot those out. And it's just like, ugh, this, it felt really 
gross. Well, that's why it's. I feel like between the people that can't advocate for themselves and the estates and families that have no say or you know power over their use, and and then the fact that you have people who are alive and would take the role, but you won't pay them for it, like Nicolas Cage. Like, what if you put Nicolas Cage in a suit? And yeah, you could de-age him or whatever, but like, it feels even grosser to be like, yeah, he's around, but we don't actually have to. Like we didn't make this movie. Like I'd be shocked if he even got any sort of compensation. Right. Cause they like, right. how does that work? Like, I'm sure he signed something at some point that was like, Oh, this company, how do we know, get around? Not, to... Yeah. How do we not, how do we get around not paying him a day rate? Oh, just exactly. CGI him. So, yeah. and, and it's a, it's a, you know, a horrible harbinger of things to come. So for me, it's a, it's extra gross because it's just like, goes to show like what they will do. Mm. I think also like just the multiverse trend right now, like some it's... movies have done it so well and others have not. And it's really frustrating that like it, it directly ties into like IP and sort of spreading, you know, going through your back catalog of stuff and seeing what you own and what you can drop in. Mm -hmm. That was like, you know, space jam and, you know, Dr. Strange multiverse of madness and stuff, which is, which was frustrating. But then you have like better examples like, um, everything everywhere all at once and things that explore it. And I think a more fun way that don't feel so bash you over the head yeah. with some of that stuff. I think there's a good way to do it. I don't think a, a, a on the whole, it's a bad concept, but it just feels like it, we're oversaturated with it right now. They, and they did the it better. feels like it did a horrible job of it. They did it better in the DC television shows. The Arrowverse TV shows were all, all did better versions of like the multiverse thing than this. It was just like, this movie was so, and for it to have been like such a, disaster ridden production that it just ended up being so bad is like this is what you struggled over like this was this was worth like having the pr of wb have to like go to ezra miller's defense for like months was this like yep you know Why just, do you well think remember also tom cruise and like spielberg or someone like other people were like this is the greatest superhero movie i've yeah. ever seen like, yeah yeah why did these people do that that's what i'm kind of wondering like james gunn kept he was like able to trash. He this, has to play ball. Didn't. I mean, he's the new DC head. So even if this stuff isn't, isn't going to be part of his universe, he can't just be like, this is shite, but don't worry. I'm coming up with some good stuff soon. But if he he's got to make, make his the... company money in the meantime. So if he gets to make the decisions though, like, I guess this one just ha had to come out. Is that the... right? But so was like Batgirl, but they were able to can that and like make yeah, a tax. I, that was yeah. Had to come out so in a strong guess... word because like a lot of these movies could have and should have, but, it, you know, if there's a tax write-off to be had, it feels like that's enough. Well, then so could they not get that tax write-off for this one? Or like, I think they just committed too much. It was what two, three years in the can at this point. They they thought that they were able to do enough, make enough back, even without Ezra promoting it um, and putting it out. And then that's of course why they had you know talking heads saying, "Oh, this is actually the best movie I've ever seen." Blah blah blah. Well, how much it's, did that cost them? Like, how did they have to pay Spielberg for I'm that? I'm sure. Shit? And like, this movie's a flop. Like, it's it's just it's it's so like it's so much. A, and uh, unfortunately, so is Blue Beetle, which I actually heard was pretty decent. Um, but mm -hmm. this movie, it's just it's so bad, and it it didn't do well either. So like, that's at least an encouraging, I guess, thing is that like. The, the word of mouth of Tom Cruise and Senor Spielbergo like could not save <laughs> this movie from it from itself. It's just it's really bad. Anyways, yeah. uh, let's talk about some TV shows we've seen. Do, 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 do. TV shows we've seen. <laughs> we've seen. Robert, what have you seen? 
Um, only TV show I've seen proper was uh, the finale of How to with John Wilson, which I enjoyed, mm. um, but it didn't reach the heights of the how to watch like sports with your friend episode that I mentioned recently, mm-hmm. where it ends up on a at a vacuum convention. It really hit me. Really got me that episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I am very, very sad that we are not going to have more of that uh, particular show. But I really hope John Wilson goes on to do bigger and better things. And sort of an adjacent uh, thing to that is I got tickets to go see in a couple weeks a movie, a documentary called Carpet Cowboys, which is about sort of the carpet capital of the country. And um, I think uh, follows mainly this this Scottish expat who is sort of a good old boy cowboy who is a big wheel in the carpet game. And they talk about it like, Think about every place you walk into, banks and hotels and everything, has just wall-to-wall carpet, and you never think about it, but that is an enormous industry in this country and and the people that supply it and all the stuff that goes on with it. Um, And it sounds very dry, but it also sounds very John Wilson, and he is an executive producer Mm -hmm. for that, which for me is a stamp of approval. So we're going to go see that, and I'll report back on this podcast. But um, I just just trust his, his... sense of you know style basically and i trust his sort of instincts to sort of uh, be a part of a project like that and yeah i just can't encourage people enough to watch how to with john wilson um it's really affecting and especially like i think the first season sort of ends with the start of the pandemic which is crazy to sort of see start to happen in new york um and it just gets better and better and goes I just think it's a it's a really special piece of media, so people should check it out. And it's it's all done now, so get on Max and, and check it. Yeah, get on me. And get on Max for God's sakes. Uh, but that's basically all I've watched for TV. Max, what about you? Uh, I'll switch up my order a little bit. Uh, After Party. Uh, I watched season two. Uh, I finished up season two of After Party. That was fun. Uh, I did not predict who the killer was. Um. They did a lot of those like false leads that you were thinking, oh, this might have something to do with blah, blah, blah. And then it doesn't. But that's a fun one. It's funny. It's enjoyable. I'm looking forward to a season three. I'll keep watching this uh, as long as it stays as good as it is. Um, uh, I've been watching Ahsoka. I don't know if we're planning on talking about that at any point, but um, I think it's okay. I think mm-hmm. it's uh, probably really targeted towards people who watched the animated series. True. And uh, if you didn't, then you're shit out of luck. You're shit yeah, out of luck. It's, just, it's a little bit uh, boring. I feel like it might be getting a bit better. Like there's a bit more happening between characters that wasn't happening before, but uh, we'll see. Still aesthetically, I think they're doing a decent job. Um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We're, but we're four episodes in already. And yeah, we're on the tail end of it now. Again, there are like episodes, so, isn't it? It's what? six, I think, right? I thought it was eight. Oh, I thought I thought it was six. Maybe I'm wrong. It better be eight. <laughs> if there's only two episodes left of this, BB-8. they really like wasted a lot of time on it. Speaking of better right. be eight, BB-8. <laughs> That's where we got its name. Yeah, better be eight. I'm better be... <laughs> Um, 
Then I also watched a Western called The English, which um, has Emily Blunt in it. And you know, let me look up who the other actor is. But um, I attempted to watch this before and stopped before I got to the like introduction credits. Chask Spencer, I think, is... I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name. Maybe it's I'm sorry, Chask. 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 Maybe C H A S K E Spencer. Chask. Chask Spencer. It says here on Wikipedia. That's how I should pronounce it. Chask Spencer does a really good job. Um, Emily Blunt does a good job as well. She's a little breathy sometimes. It. Uh, it's like very. It. I think it couches itself both in the beginning and the end as being like very. It's this romantic story between the two of them. But then in the middle, it's like, it's pretty uh, action heavy and like more touching. So like the the beginning doesn't do it too many favors, in my opinion, of it just seeming like this Western romance and then going straight into, hey, guess what? The West was racist and here are characters and their huh? their only trait is racism. And like, uh, that's okay to some extent. You know, you don't have to like fully flesh out every character. But, Racism like... is okay to some extent. Okay, <laughs> continue. Uh, making a uh, Andrew, you, do you got him? Yep, you got that? clipped. Clipped. Yeah, it'll be <laughs> our first yeah. Instagram clip ever. Uh, <laughs> one one dimensional characters. I think like they're they are just what they are, and they're okay to have sometimes. But like, um, you want more. It seemed like at the beginning there was too much of that to be interesting for it to seem like an interesting thing. But by the end of it, it had like several Hideo Kojima mini bosses in it. And I, I fucking loved it. It had these really like weird people who had like the tragic backstory that like made them the way they were. And they had these like things that it wasn't, supernatural it wasn't that they had powers but they were built up in that way that like oh my gosh they're larger than life and stuff and they had like names to them and they had all these it, it was pretty fun by the end of it i i think i, I really enjoyed it mm. um but also like a hideo kojima production there were a few too many cutscenes near the end and it kind of sounds kind of dragged a little bit but um yeah, but still fun overall. I would I would recommend it. Uh, and then the last one I want to talk about, I moved this one to the end because this is the the best. One of the, the best TV shows that I've seen in a long while, I think. Uh, really enjoyed it. Watched <laughs> through the, the whole single season of Boardwalk Empire. No, of I'm a Virgo. Uh, have you guys seen this one at all? The name sounds familiar, but I couldn't tell you who. I, I don't know what that is. So the the main character is Jarell Jerome, or the main actor, uh, and he's playing a, I think, thirteen foot tall, um, guy. He was born just like weirdly, uh, thirteen feet tall. In he was born thirteen feet tall, or just okay, bigger. He was, he was born probably six feet. His mother dies in the childbirth. Oh, he's, fuck. he's a he's a giant, and okay. like considered the superpower. His his um, parents keep him sheltered. They're hoping to keep him sheltered until he's twenty one. But it kind of like picks up when he's nineteen and trying to and like tired of hiding himself. Sure, and um, but you have to be drinking age. 
um it's it's really cool and it shows kind of like the like very thinly veiled um uh like kind of things that you have to deal with as a black person in the united states is like some specifically black men some specifically black women things that you're going to have to deal with um in in life like minimizing yourself to uh not seem as dangerous as people want to think you are and like being taken advantage of by uh people who like don't have your best interests in mind once you get famous and like um but it's it's really cool and it's just him he gets out he meets a group of friends uh there's a superhero that was like a comic book writer turned actual superhero played by walton goggins whoa uh, called the hero who's basically like the ultra cop mm-hmm. uh going around the and, samaritan of like, this universe say what the samaritan of this universe is that what you're <laughs> yeah the samaritan the the homelander the like yeah there are a lot of uh um parallels but uh yeah he grows up reading the comic books of the hero and then kind of like you know learns who the hero actually is and um and then certain people show up throughout the series that have superpowers or like non superpowers, but like things that they can do. Sometimes it is superpowers, like being able to move fast. And sometimes it's like you got big or you got shrunk. Um, and the, and I think the, um, the hero is all like just, you know, physical fitness and technology gadget stuff. He's a like billion tech billionaire. And, um, yeah, it's it's oh, oh, but there's also like other other things like this guy has surreal type of deals that like isn't superpowers, but like one guy has uh his house lifted up probably like 10 stories just on um like the plywood platforms or whatever. Like uh what are they called? Pallets. Like he's just got stacked pallets to lift his house up so he can be a little bit higher. And just a bunch of other like weird surrealist things like that and there's like a a tv show that everybody watches where like one of the characters has the the phrase boy and i buy that for a dollar (laughs) yeah everybody laughs at it and there's one hidden episode where uh like nobody can i think 99.3 percent of people that watch it like cannot uh function while they're watching it because it's it's such an experience for them that they had to take it off air as soon as they put it up there. Um, so weird things like that, but great commentary, fantastic Got views on, you know, anti-capitalist views. It's really weird that it's on prime, prime <laughs> because of that. And uh, I, you know, crossing my fingers that it's going to get a season two, but definitely recommend watching this one. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Uh, if you put it off, check it out. And that's what I've seen. How about you, Andrew? Uh, the only TV show I've really been watching has been Ahsoka. And as somebody who has not watched any of Rebels and watched like a 10-minute, hey, here's uh, four seasons of Rebels in 10 minutes kind of recap thing, I'm still a little bit like, <laughs> I just, you know, we complained about it with the, the latest season of The Mandalorian and all these other shows where it's just like, they just are requiring you to do so much Star Wars homework Mm-hmm. And I do like this, like, I like the show so far. Like, I like the Ahsoka character. I like the, like, everybody's doing a good job. But it just feels like there's so much backstory that you just have to have watched 
rebels to to understand and like and, appreciate it more and like like think about it like if you have only seen like the movies you don't even you know who no Ahsoka idea. is. You have you have no idea who this person is, and also that that Anakin had an apprentice yeah. in between the second and third movie that you never heard about. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it's, it's, it's that's a big yeah. omission. It's because like you not only would have to have watched Rebels, but you'd have to have watched Clone Wars before that to know who Ahsoka is. Like it's just like there's mm-hmm. so much. Or the Mandalorian, you can get a little. You get a little bit, right? Oh, wait, or was that Boba Fett? Was that the Mandalorian? That might have been Boba Fett. You might be right. <laughs> God, but like it's just you know, like the, all that being said, I've made my I've made my complaints about Star Wars now requiring you to do so much homework. Mm-hmm. The show's good. Like I I do like it. It's the the effects are good. Like it, for a, a you know I've kind of been a little bit negative on some of the you know other than Andor like some of the recent Star Wars Disney Plus stuff, and I think like this is a good. The effects are good, costumes are good, the acting's good, um, pace is good, you know, so it's, it's, I don't have a lot did we to, con- did we confirm if this is six or eight? I think it's, I just saw an IMDb, I think it's eight. Okay, all right. Um, so, oh. I, I do, I'm enjoying it, I do, I just wish I didn't have to catch up so much, I'm not going to, I'm not going to watch all the Rebels in time to, like, finish this season, mm-hmm. um, but it is just an it's just a little annoying to have to have done so much to like feel It's almost like, like if they did original characters and stories in the Star Wars universe and didn't require you to know anything more than lasers, lightsabers, tie fighters, empire existed blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. That could be a fun way to do it. That's kind of how it started with Mandalorian and yeah. then it became progressively more connected to yeah. the canon. Yeah. And um, the, you know, the other flip side of this is that I have seen all of it. Uh as far as I know, I think I've watched through um all of this some of it might not have been like i i wasn't completely invested like maybe mm-hmm. watching it in the background but still like um the this se- this season on its own is a bit stuffy mm-hmm. in a lot of ways like it doesn't really pop and so like even having the context it isn't giving me what i would like from star wars uh which is you know i want some levity in there and i want some amount of uh like take away some of the self-seriousness if you're not going to be able to do like full on this is really important and Mm -hmm. make it actually feel important um i do enjoy the fact that they're able to speak with contractions and say like can't instead of cannot or like will not or you know that sort of thing oh is that the is that the uh the george lucas rule that people are like ahsoka's breaking this george lucas rule I don't. I don't think Ju- Lucas ever made that rule. I feel like some people put importance on it the same way they like made every single sentence that Yoda said for a while. Sure. Everything that he can't showed up in, it had to be backwards. Yeah. And then, like, if you applied that same log- lo- logic to the original trilogy, a lot of his lines would have been completely different. Mm-hmm. But like, it it worked when it worked, and like, if you don't do it every single time, it works a lot better. Yeah. And so, like, I. I'm glad that they're allowing them sometimes. I I think that it might be John Favreau. I think that like dialogue might not be a strong suit, but also I don't have any view into what's happening behind the scenes. It just seems like when you have uh him as the showrunner, mm-hmm. the contractions go away yeah. and like they shouldn't. They really shouldn't. The now, f- it messes with the flow and it really makes 
people seem really stuffy who shouldn't be stuffy in universe. Mm-hmm. Like she, she left the Jedi order because it was, uh, you know, not doing things correctly. She's doing her own thing. Uh, and she's also like a, the very young Jedi compared to everyone else. But then her character just falls into the same Jedi traps of being a boring motherfucker. Like, no, don't do it. Like do something different with this character. I do like that they did return to one of my favorite tropes of Star Wars, which is just the most poorly designed starships, which is the gunner is at the very back of this of this thing <laughs> with no weapons facing forward. Just you hopefully the the ships that you want to attack are behind you. And it's mm-hmm. just like it's the get to the back of the ship and man the gunner. It's just like okay. It's for running away. It's for running it is for running away, but it's just like I just like that. The ships get in front of them and they're just shit out of luck. They can't do anything up there, but hopefully you get in front of them because the other interesting piece of ship design in here is the table and uh, chairs that come up out of the ground. Yeah. They raise up out of the ground. So you're just like stepping on the, on the like seat where yeah. you're the top. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully you're not too tired when you walk into that room. Cause you have to wait at least 15 seconds for the things to raise up. Yeah. Well, Anyways, I am enjoying it mostly, but yeah, it's just, I, I wish I didn't, yeah, I wish I had some knowledge and didn't have to do so much, but mm-hmm. anyways, fellows, let's talk about the movie we all watched for this week, a 2001, correct, film by Wes Anderson, we're talking about the Royal Tenenbaums. And we'll never be The Royal Tenenbaums with Gene Hackman, Angelica Houston, The Wilson Brothers, Ben Stiller, Gwyneth Paltrow, Danny Glover, Danny Glover, Donald, yeah, Donald Glover's father, Danny Glover, <laughs> Bill Murray, and Bill Murray, uh, uh, and what, the rest, and the rest. Would you guys recommend people watch The Royal Tenenbaums? Yeah, for sure. It's good fun. I was I had not revisited it in some time, and I I don't think I put it in my top uh, of his films, but I I I was fun to to go back and see. Wow, Max is Max won't accept that this maybe isn't my top <laughs> of his films. So I'm already gonna feel pushback. Didn't say I didn't like it. Um, there, and, yeah, you're welcome to your opinion. It just surprises me that like. I think there's just some other recent works that I've, and again, this is a revisit after a long time. I feel mm-hmm. like if I had seen it as much as some of his other ones, I might feel differently, but um, very good. And I would recommend watching it. I didn't say it was stinky poo poo bad. Max, <laughs> so. What did you think? Me? Yeah. I would this, recommend it. I did. I recommended it to you guys. I said we should watch this one. Oh, that's right. You picked this one. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Andrew, what did you think? I think it's stinky poo poo pee pee bad. <laughs> oh stinky, no! Ew, put it in the toilet and flush. Yuck. Um, I would recommend it with some qualifiers. Wow. I I do like the movie, but I would recommend it with qualifiers, and I'd love to get into them right now. Which is I recommend it with some multipliers. <laughs> I'm times four attack damage. And um, stuff. this is a movie that has a scene where a character tries to commit suicide that's true and you do see the after effects of like you see his wounds like he shows his wounds to gwyneth paldrow and it is they don't really shy away from it it's a pretty graphic scene we're not showing the act initially yeah especially yeah right like you like they they almost film in a way where you might think you just get are going to see gwyneth paldrow's reaction 
and said they just show his his wrist and arm scars and it's it's uh I mean, like the after the aftermath of that scene is pretty gruesome, where he's just like covered in blood. Um, have you have you not seen this movie before? I've seen it. I, I've seen okay. it a couple times. Okay, that's that's what I thought, and that's why I didn't warn you yeah, about yeah, yeah. that because I assumed that you had already seen it, and I otherwise I, I sure, sure, sure. would have. Yeah, and then the other qualifier I'd love to give it is that the dog does die in this movie, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. did forget about that, and uh, that was crap. You know, like, but it, you know, it's like it's a it's a it's. Basically, you never see the dog. Like once it happens, you're, it just is mentioned. Um, that's. I was like watching this, and I was like, "God, the fucking dog dies in this, and the dog dies in Moonrise Kingdom." Was Isle of Dogs basically Wes Anderson's way of like letting people know I don't hate dogs, everybody. Like this is just yeah. Please, only five of these dogs die in this movie. Don't accuse me of hating dogs. Here's a whole movie of dogs. <laughs> Yeah, and I did want to mention that um, the next movie I want to review is um, Milo and Otis. Oh no, which I don't, I don't oh, think no. has any. I think it's it's totally that's all, free that's all off screen dog. Yeah, deaths. yeah, yeah. yeah. All um, dogs go to <laughs> I, the other. The other uh, qualifier I'd love to give it is if you are a, a daughter who's ever had a, da- a dad call you a disrespectful little pig. Uh, Alec Baldwin does do the narration for this movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that, what, is that what he called his daughter? I can't quite remember. Yeah, like a rude little pig. Rude or little something pig. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I forgot that he did the narration for this. So when it was like, I was like, that's not Gene Hackman, right? Like doing the narration. I was like, no, that's. I mean, look, he's got a great, he's got a great voice. So he's a, he's a good narrator. Yeah. It was... Don't want him in my cowboy movies, but. Jesus Christ, Robert. <laughs> God. Hey, I don't want him. Oh, okay. Great. Oh, um, yeah. So let's let's get talking about this movie. <laughs> I think Max, you should. I mean, we yeah, kind of lead the, lead off, the charge as as we've kind of been doing. Okay, I okay. So <laughs> this is my favorite uh, Wes Anderson movie. Wow. Okay. Uh, I think it's one of the better movies of all time. Like I really enjoy every single time I watch it. It's one of those movies I can come back to, and really get a lot from every time and certain scenes that like I can't make it through without feeling a certain emotion. But, mm. and, and it, it does the range too. Like there are some that really make me happy, really joyful, really sad. And, you know, like disappointed and all those sort of things. It's, I think it does a, a better job than a lot of his newer stuff at eliciting emotions. And that's true. Um, I think that's true. And I think that's why I like this one so much. And honestly, watching it right after watching his most recent one, which I thought was an enjoyable movie, I thought, like, where is this? Where are these feelings where, like, I am going to ball? Regard- I've seen this, you know, 15 times or whatever before, mm-hmm. but I'm going to cry during this scene. Like, that, I don't have those same feelings in the, the new ones, not just because it's a first watch, but because, I like, it hasn't brought me to that, to that feeling where um, I really get that from this one every time. And I think that Gene Hackman is a terrible father and hilarious he's, in this movie. He's awful. Like, he's, mm-hmm. I mean, he's great, as his performance is great, but uh, Royal Tenenbaum is awful. He's so fucking toxic. It's like, he's... That's an enjoyable performance, in my opinion. I've said multiple <laughs> times, I uh, Sharon Stone in Casino is like one of my favorite kind of you know characters you love to hate where you're just like 
but this fucking person like yeah. you just want to throttle them like it's it's wild and and i, I appreciate that about the uh, about the role and like they give they give him so much time to continually make his mistakes right yeah. even after he's learned his lesson just turn around and do it right again mm-hmm. and then eventually show some signs of <laughs> Of progress. The last like three minutes of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> like he does redeem himself. It's a come to God kind of moment. Yeah. But it also, even then, they don't, it's not like he's like fully redeemed, but no. he's like started, he has learned some, uh, some things. And he's, I do like that line. I know it's Alec Baldwin, but like he says something like this is, you know, uh, I know I've, I'm a bastard, but the last, uh, two weeks have been the best two weeks of my life. And then it says like immediate, immediately after he said this, he realized that it was true. Mm-hmm. I, I just love it. Yeah. There, there's so many good things about this movie, but a, lo- a lot of them are uh, his lines and his line delivery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So some of his lines towards uh, Danny Glover is uh, unacceptable. Unacceptable. Un- unacceptable. Yeah. Yes. You're, you're absolutely right. And I mean, intentionally unacceptable, yes, but yes. even so sometimes like hard, hard to watch. You're not supposed yourself. like, you're really not supposed to like him. I think that is Mm-mm. one of the like things about this. The movie is he's a disgusting character and you are meant to feel that way throughout the entirety of the movie. Like it's not one of those movies where like, ah, but you know, like he, he's kind of a rascal. You do like him for, you know, certain things you wish he wouldn't do this, but ultimately you think he's got a heart of gold he's he's pretty miserable and horrible the almost the entire run of the movie and it's like for a movie where in which he is basically the titular character he's really like the villain of the movie mm-hmm. which like he you, just, you, it ahead. was originally just called royal tenenbaum <laughs> the royal tenenbaum yeah. yeah he like you see the effects that he has on the rest of his family too and how like how much trouble he's caused them mm-hmm. over the years and how many um like quirks that they've picked up because of how they were raised i and, loved um i loved angelica houston in this movie and i like mm-hmm. the act actually robert uh the royal tenenbaum is his twitter handle i think um uh, so at, at the real, at the real, the royal real, Tenenbaum the real royal ten official. Uh, it's actually it's his ex handle. His ex handle, excuse me. Um, <laughs> his love Angelica Houston is like she to me. She embodies somebody who like I think just because of like her stature and like how she acts, it's really hard for me to imagine her playing a a regular person. You know what I mean? Like she's. She's just got this gravitas of a person that like she would always be like she's great in Wes Anderson movies because she can be a character, you know, like Mm. she can always kind of turn it up to 11 and be this like kind of bigger than life person. And in this movie, when she's having like a conversation with Danny Glover about like getting married and like she just has these kind of quiet conversations, she's really good at it. And I just like I love that she's, you know, and I know like she's uh, in 50 50. She plays Joseph Gordon-Levitt's mother. And she's great in that too. But like for me to see her in a Wes Anderson movie, also playing kind of a quieter role and being really good at it and making me forget like, Oh, this is Angelica Houston. This like huge, you know, like, ah, like, like not bombastic actress, but somebody who can just be that she can chew the set dressing at any point. Mm -hmm. She's great in like a very quiet role in this. Yeah. Yeah. As like the, the person who's like kept this family, this really dysfunctional shitty family together while Gene Hackman's character just fucked up for 40 yeah. years. 
She's very sweet, very touching. Mm -hmm. She also does have some of that detachment that like that Royal has and that just shows up in Wes Anderson movies pretty often Mm -hmm. of like, you know, when when Danny Glover asks her to marry him and she says, I'll think about it, Mm -hmm. you know, with like, you know, like, oh, I I didn't realize that you loved me. Yeah, I'll I'll have to think about this. So get back to you Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So it has that kind of stuff. But like. For some reason, it works here where it doesn't work in other places for me. For that Wes Anderson detachment, like adds more than it uh, takes away. What is your do? Do you have like a second favorite or another? Like what's what's below this for Anderson for you? Like I would probably have to rewatch a few, but some of the higher up ones I would say are. Um, I really enjoyed Rushmore when I saw it. Um, Bottle Rocket's another fun one. The, the two earlier ones from this, so yeah, I think more recently, Grand Budapest Hotel. I, I think. was, I think that might be my favorite. I think that might okay. be my favorite too. Yeah. And I think then, it's got a great aesthetic. I think it's it's an interesting cast where it's like obviously some of some of his players are in there, but I do feel like it's kind of got like a fresher cast. Not all of his, you know, muses, um, and um, not. I'm not trying to to compare and contrast to this necessarily for the discussion, but. Um, that's just like where I'm coming from. Where like I think that's my fave of his aesthetic and storytelling and stuff. It's also yeah. kind of where he gets like maybe irrevocably in love with his bullshit too. Is like it. I think like he's that might be the the you can see kind of the turning point of where he loses sight of what his characters are and more like how can this be more Wes Anderson-y? Mm-hmm. You know, like mm. he's he's maybe gotten brain poison from his own aesthetic of like <clears throat> people make fun of him for having an aesthetic and now they're like he's like oh you think i was too wes Anderson in this well how about fuck you and i'll do it like this and it's just like now it's like okay now there's just there's just no characters anymore it's just a bunch of people who exist in this live action like filmed play that wes anderson's doing now and like i think that's a an uh, uh an attribute of this movie and again, like sort of going off of Angelica Houston's kind of quieter performances, nobody's acting like they're in a Wes Anderson movie in this movie. You know, like the scene where Ben Stiller moves his kids into the house. Like if this were a bit, uh, a Wes Anderson movie made now, it'd be this kind of like stunted, weird, stilted conversation between mm-hmm. Angelica Houston and Ben Stiller. And it probably wouldn't work that well. It would just be this kind of like da 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 da, and like they would just move on to the next scene. Instead, this was like a real conversation between two real human beings, and it was with a comedic tone or like kind of a weird tone to it, but it worked because it felt like two human beings having a conversation in a Wes Anderson movie, versus two Wes Anderson characters having a conversation in a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah, it's it still has that feeling of that kind of like back and forth when when she's she keeps like bringing up, hey, that's not, you know, like, oh, you moved out of your house because the smoke alarms aren't working, but our house doesn't have any smoke alarms. He's like, well, it's just not safe. It was, spring, so it it was sprinklers. That, it was the sprinklers. sprinklers yeah. yeah, sorry. The the back and forth though is kind of there, so it does have like that feeling of Wes Anderson, but it's not overwhelmed and overpowered yeah. by it. I feel like, yeah. It felt like there was emotions coming from both of them. Like it wasn't just mm-hmm. two people written. And I, I feel like I'm being maybe too harsh on actors in new Wes Anderson movies, 
but like it's like she's coming at it from a concerned place of why are you having your kids here like you know like we also don't have sprinklers here and he's like well we can work on that and versus like it sort of feels like if that were a conversation between like scarlett johansson and uh jason schwartzman in asteroid city it would feel very comic-y like it just would feel a little more like done for laughs than like this and i really like connections between characters in this like that uh and i don't i'm not i'm gonna stop talking about the newer movies just say i like the connections between characters there are certain character pairings that i really enjoy uh like ben stiller i don't always love in every movie i think sometimes like his comedy is overblown to me and i think the fact that he's not really playing it's a funny role Mm -hmm. but it's not funny because he's being so wild at it um but like the relationship between him him and his kids the relationship between royal and his kids where he's like sneaking behind his back in order to have a relationship yeah his grandkids so cute i love it um and then like the relationship between or the the like triangle i guess between eli cash and margo and uh uh what's his name ronnie <laughs> oh uh, Wait, uh what's character? His character the uh, uh ba- the bomber the um hang on i'm looking it up richie 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 oh oh uh yeah the um luke the bomber luke wilson's character the tennis player uh yeah, the the fact that he falls in love with his adopted sister, I think like the between the two of them, and like their, the the moment between them in the tent is the one where like there's no way I'm ever gonna not cry during yeah. that one, and then like at the end of the movie when um, Ben Stiller's character says I had a hard year and he's like learning to to reconcile reconcile his hatred with his father because mm-hmm. his father's like improving. Um, I find it very touching. And then, the, of course, the relationship between Angelica Houston, all of her kids, and the re- relationship between Angelica Houston and Danny Glover. I think it's like, cute. It's the, really cute. the stuff with Ben Stiller and, and Royal is, it's almost prophetic because it's like, I feel like, like in, within the last, like probably within like the start of the pandemic is when like, I feel like a lot of, people within our generation started to recognize that like the not that like this is the first time people had ever realized the mistakes of their parents but i feel like the way that um ben stiller's character just doesn't just doesn't like straight up forgive royal because he's his dad and he's just like no you were like a shitty dad to me i'm not just gonna forgive you because you want me to is like something that i feel like has been a like for a lot of people, like that's something that they've kind of come and rec- like reckoned with in the last couple of years, like in a more um, accepted way than it used to be. Where like I think that for a long time, the feeling about families, you just forgive them because they're family. And like yeah. in this movie, like you know, there's a part where where um, Royal says to him, like, "Can you just like forgive me, or can you just like like you know go easy on me?" And he's like, why? And he's like, cause you're hurting my, you're hurting my feelings. He's like too bad. Like you basically like, just because you decided now that like your past behavior, like should just be forgiven. Doesn't mean I'm going to forgive you. Like mm-hmm. I, like I feel like that was a, and like, you're never, you're never given this 
point of view of like, God, like Ben Stiller, just like forgive your dad. Jeez Louise, you are on the side of Ben Stiller, which is like, yeah, he's been like a fucking shithead. And like, he's right. He is like, he's glimmering all these other people into like, you know, like he's like Luke Wilson, like kind of like, like manipulating him into like letting him back in the house and like manipulating Angelica Houston. Like he's, he's a master emotional manipulator. And mm-hmm. the only person who's not really falling for it is Ben Stiller. And it's, it's funny because the, one of the things that I think is a trope of Ben Stiller's acting is doing the, ah! you know, like screaming because he's like the only, in his mind, he's the only sane person in the world and doing the, what am I going crazy? Ah! And, but like, this is a character in which that is happening to him, but he's not doing that acting in this movie mm-hmm. at all either. Yeah. Just an observation about the movie. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I hadn't thought about a lot of that stuff. He didn't like zip his nuts into his uh, <laughs> pants either. So I noticed, he didn't I noticed come, that. He didn't come in someone's hair either. It's really... <laughs> Okay. He didn't specifically come in someone's hair. She took it from his ear that it ended up on and used it as hair gel. A thing you do. I'm just a saying. Thing that women I'm just do. saying. There's a progression of joke where, like, he could have just straight up come in someone's hair in this movie too. But 100. percent Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm hoping, I can, I'm I hoping can for see the, where that scene would fit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping for the Wes Anderson Fairly Brothers crossover at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Me, myself, and the Tenenbaums. <laughs> <laughs> What's the last Fairly Brothers movie? That wow, you can remember. I, I am not sure. Stuck it's on you? Been, it's been a fairly long time ah, since I oh, oh. I think Stuck on You is the last one I can think of. Um Was that con- also about something looks, dangling off the ear? The conjoined twin, uh it was who was it? Um Matt Damon and Greg Kinnear were conjoined twins. Okay, this one. is uh, is this real? I think Green Book and Oh, you know what? Greatest Beer Run Ever, I think, was the most recent one. Green Book, though the one Green Book, with with uh, Viggo Mortensen driving around. That was Mar- a Fairly brother. Was a Peter Fairly, not not the brothers, but Peter Fairly. Wow. And then I'm pretty sure Greatest Beer Run Ever, which was that was like um, an Apple TV movie, right? That's true. Zac Efron getting his his buddy going to to Vietnam during the war to try and get his buddies some PBR or something, uh, and that's another Peter Fairly. So not the brothers uh, together, but we got to get them back together. That's true. Hey, sort of like maybe maybe they've had sort of a falling out like the Tenenbaums. We got to get them back together. That's right. We got to get Peter to forgive his brother. Wes will do a documentary <laughs> about it. Very twee, of course. Um, I also um, I was also thinking like, is this in terms of her? Because I I believe this is the same year that um Shallow Hal came out for Gwyneth Paltrow. Like, is is this the last like sort of? indie-ish movie that she would end up doing well she did that indie movie um like iron man too. oh right i love <laughs> i love by the way i love that whenever they talk about that movie in like documentaries they do talk about it as an indie film yeah well we did have to fund it ourselves so technically it's an independent film it's like god sure. shut up <laughs> like this is this is not you're taking a word and just like misrepresenting but i just think that's so funny i mean yeah, it was released by Paramount, but like it is, we did have to fund it. So technically, Iron Man was an independent film. Just like Kevin Feige, fuck off. Anyways, um, I don't know. Was Sky <laughs> Captain in the World of Tomorrow an indie film? Uh, I doubt it. it. Had Angelina Jolie, and I guess she can be in indie movies too. Could have been. Yeah, I don't know. 
Uh, it just like this. I I was just like this. This felt like one of the like most like the latest like kind of interesting role that she would take versus like just being in blockbusters or like major movies. Which there's nothing wrong with that, but it just it, this kind of felt like this was her last like artsy decision. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too mean to Gwyneth Paltrow, but she's also good in this movie too. I I do want to. She's good in this movie. Yeah. I wish she wouldn't push you know yeah. pseudoscience you know uh, crap uh, from her during the movie. Yeah, it's during the know. movie. Yeah, she's like she's got like a handful of like she has like a bottle of goop that she's trying to sell like jostling some crystals around. Ah, your chakras are in, you know. She's selling like uh wooden fingers. She's selling what? wooden fingers. She loses a finger. Oh. <laughs> he didn't watch the movie. He didn't watch this movie. Yeah, this is the reason why he doesn't like it that much. He hasn't seen Well, we it. went from the real thing goop to that, so I was like, what the fuck are you talking? About? <laughs> um yeah, I, it's I like I mean I, it's hard to to know what else to say. It just I you know what it's sad though is um I wonder where in the his oeuvre that was did Gene Hackman do much after this at all with Wes Anderson or, or no just in, general. in general I feel like he Royal Tenenbaums the was the, the replacement we did Welcome to Mooseport in two thousand four and then I think it was just kind of like voices for documentaries and some disparate he's a stuff. great he actor on, man like it's he's just, an amazing actor yeah yeah there, and, are only, uh, there are three movies after it that's it i did behind yeah. enemy lines runaway jury and welcome to mooseport yeah i think like I figured it was kind of at the end of his sort of movie career he's in a really shitty football movie called the replacements and i think he's great in that like it's mm. he's yeah. He's also in a, an episode of diners drive-ins and dives called big breakfast he is and this is true i i have seen like when they're filming at that cafe, they're like, hey, are you liking it? He's like, I'm liking it fine. And it's Gene Hackman. Really? Like, I love this place. Yes. <laughs> That's fucking it's, cool. It rules. That's like, fucking cool. To- <laughs> Guy Fieri's cool. Um, I also miss the Owen, the Wilson brothers in Wes Anderson movies. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like, I feel like Owen's maybe been in one, like, as, like, a bit part. Like, I feel like the last major role he was was the Darjeeling Limited it, right. I, I well, you could look at that, but like he also wrote this one. I didn't really realize that until I saw the credits. Yeah. Oh. But like, I miss the Wilson brothers in Wes Anderson movies. Like, let's kick out some of these new guys. Let's bring back the Wilson brothers. Bring them back. Bring them back. <laughs> Wes, um, let's make the let's make the movie about the Fairley brothers, and let's bring back the the Wilson brothers. Yeah, yes. I say I say make sequels to all your most popular movies and just have the Owen brothers uh, or the Wilson brothers rather uh, doing their thing, doing their bottle thing. rocket, uh, bottle rocket two, Rushmore two. <laughs> make them all. You know, if you want, we can make them all into one movie. But let's get those Wilson brothers back. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I like. I think we've kind of said our piece about this. Unless you guys have any final thoughts about. The Royal Tenenbaums you like to get off now. Um, great soundtrack. Also, oh I yeah, feel like most of his of his movies have a really eclectic and and um, uh, informed soundtrack for the for everything going on. So I, I really appreciated that. I love that. There's a like, th- there's no indication that this movie takes place anywhere around Christmas, but I love that Christmas time is here, 
is one of the songs in this movie. <laughs> like, it's just there's no indication this movie's even in winter. It's just like it's in New York. It could be any time of the year. I guess it could be cold, but not necessarily. Yeah, right. I don't know. But they, but like Christmas time is here shows up at least twice in the movie. <laughs> So is it? Hey, so is it a Christmas movie? I, you know, I watched this and Die Hard back to back. Now that's Christmas my movie. kind of Christmas marathon. Uh, Max, um, any stray thoughts? Uh, Owen Wilson is in the French Dispatch. That's pretty recent. Is but he a, one of his brother, my dear lad. Yeah, he he should have been in there too. Mm. Anyway, I I like the movie. I'm glad that when I rewatched it, you just I, like it I now. Still, okay, still enjoyed it. <laughs> the only reason I was so surprised is because it's like maybe this is in my top of Wes Anderson movies. And when I finished watching it, I was like, yeah, th- like this is exactly what I'm looking for from Wes Anderson. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. And and to for it to be like, you know, second, third, fourth runner-up of like even just within Wes Anderson movies. Like, and I don't, that's where it should be for you, right? Like, if that's how you enjoy it, that's how you enjoy it. It just surprised me be- just because of how much I feel about it. Yeah. Sure. Well, yeah. and I think it speaks to it that, like, this is a, a great movie that in it's the third in his, of his, you know, directed films, and it's still a great film, even if it isn't in my personal top. So he's, he does, he does good work. What else can you say? He's, mm-hmm. he's locked in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, anyways, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, hope you enjoyed the movie. Hope you enjoyed the episode, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.